The Fifth Mansion, Chapter One of the Interior Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Interior Castle or the Mansions by Saint Teresa of Avila, translated by the Reverend John Dalton. The Fifth Mansion, Chapter One. The saint begins to explain how the soul unites herself with God in prayer, etc. Oh, my sisters, how shall I be able to explain to you the riches, treasures, and delights which are contained in these fifth mansions? I think it better to say nothing respecting those delights which I have not yet mentioned, since it is impossible to be able to express them. Neither can the understanding comprehend them, nor are comparisons of any use in explaining them, since earthly things are too mean for this purpose. O oh, my Lord, send light from heaven, that I may be able to enlighten these thy servants, since thou art pleased that some of them should enjoy these delights. Enlighten some of them, that they may not be deceived by the devil, who transforms himself into an angel of light, for their desire is to please thee. Though I said some of them, yet many of them enter these mansions, of which I am now about to speak, some more and some less and therefore I say that the greater part enter them, but I believe that few attain some of these delights, which I shall mention here, and which are to be found in this mansion. But if they should reach only the gate, that is a great favor which our Lord shows them, for although many are called, yet few are chosen. And so I say now, that although we all wear this sacred habit of Carmel, and are all called to prayer and contemplation, because this was our rule in the beginning, which those holy fathers of Mount Carmel drew up, who purchased this treasure and this precious jewel which we now speak of, by such great solitude and contempt of this world. Yet few of us dispose ourselves that so our Lord may discover this jewel to us. For though as regards our exterior we go on well at present, yet in order to obtain what is necessary in the way of virtue, we must not be negligent in anything, for we stand in need of great virtue. Let us then, my sisters, earnestly beseech our Lord, that since we may in some degree enjoy heaven upon earth, he would grant us his grace, and show us the way, lest through our own fault we miss it, and that he would give strength to our soul, to enable us to dig till we find this hidden treasure, which is certainly within us. This I should wish to explain, if our Lord be pleased to enable me. I said strength to the soul, in order that you may know that, as regards bodily strength, there is no obstacle to one on whom our Lord does not bestow it. No one is prevented from purchasing his wealth. If one give what he has, God is content. Blessed be so great a being. But consider, daughters, that in order to obtain this object of which we are speaking, he does not wish you to keep anything back, less or more. He will have all for himself, and in proportion to what you know you have given, he bestows greater or less favors upon you. There is no better proof than this, for discovering whether we have arrived at the prayer of union or not. Think not that here is a dream like the former. I say a dream because there the soul seems to be as it were asleep, though she seems neither fast asleep nor yet quite awake. Here, however, she is thoroughly awake to God, though fast asleep as to worldly things and to ourselves. For in truth, during the short time that this lasts, she is almost senseless and unable to think on anything, even if she wished. No art is necessary to suspend the imagination. 
Indeed, if she loves, she does not understand how she loves, nor what it is she loves, nor what she wishes to have. In a word, she is like one entirely dead to the world, in order to live the more in God, and this is a pleasant death, a death because it is a loosening of the soul from all the operations which it can exercise while in the body. It is a pleasant death, because though she be truly in the body, yet she seems to be separated from it, in order to abide the better in God. This is in such a manner, that I know not whether she have even life enough to breathe. I was thinking on it, and it seems to me there was not enough. At least, if she do breathe, she does not perceive it. All her understanding would wish to be employed in knowing something of what she feels, but as strength is not sufficient for this, she remains so astonished that, if she be not quite absorbed, she neither stirs hand or foot, as we say of one who swoons away in such a manner that we think he is dead. O oh, wonderful secrets of God! I should never be satisfied with endeavoring to make them understood, if I thought I should succeed, and thus I will say a thousand foolish things, provided I may happen but once to speak to the point, so that we may praise our Lord exceedingly. I said it was not a dream, for in the preceding mansions, until her experience is great, she remains doubtful of that which happens to her, whether she had desires, whether she was asleep, whether it came from God, or whether the devil transformed himself into an angel of light. In a word, she has a thousand suspicions, and it is well she has them, since, as I have said, our nature itself may deceive us here sometimes, for though venomous animals have not such easy access, yet little lizards may get in, and being small they insinuate themselves everywhere, and although they do no harm, especially if, as I said, they be despised. These are little fancies which come from the imagination, and for what has been mentioned above, yet they are often very troublesome. But these lizards, however small, cannot enter, because here there is no imagination, nor memory, nor understanding, that can hinder this good. I dare venture to assert that if the union truly come from God, the devil cannot enter or do any harm, because our Lord is joined and united with the essence of the soul, so that he, the devil, dare not approach. Nor can he understand this secret, for it is clear he does not know our thoughts, much less can he understand so profound a secret. This applies to the acts of the understanding and the will, for the devil clearly sees the thoughts of the imagination, unless our Lord blind him at that moment. O oh, blessed state, in which this cursed one cannot hurt us! Thus the soul becomes a very great gainer, because God works in her, without anyone, even herself, being able to hinder him. And what then will he not give, who is so willing and desirous of giving, and who can do whatever he wills? Methinks I have thrown you into some confusion by saying, if the union be from God, as if there were other unions. And so there are, though they be about vain things, such as when we love them much. And then the devil transports such lovers out of themselves, but not in the way that God does, nor with the same delight, satisfaction, peace, and joy of the soul. It is a joy surpassing all the joys of the world, all its delights, all its pleasures. And yet further, we need only observe whence these joys come, and whence those of the world, for they produce very different feelings, as you will find by experience. I have said somewhere that the one resembles the touching of the skin or surface of the body, but the other pierces the very marrow. I spoke rightly, and I know not how to express myself better. 
It seems to me you are not yet satisfied, because you imagine you may be deceived, as it is a difficult matter to examine the interior. Although, therefore, what has been said may be sufficient for one who has experienced the like, the difference being so great, yet I wish to give you a clear proof by which you may be certain whether it comes from God, for His Majesty has this day brought the proof to my mind, and it seems a sure one. In difficult matters, though I think I understand them and speak the truth, I always use these words, It seems to me. For if I should be mistaken, I may be the more willing and ready to believe what learned men tell me. And though they themselves have not experienced these matters, yet they have great weight, because they are great scholars. As God considers them so many lights in His church, He discovers the truth of things to them in order that they may admit them. And if they be not immoral persons, but servants of God, they are never astonished at his greatness, because they know that his power is able to do still greater wonders. In a word, though some things be not declared, they will certainly find others written, whereby they may see that these also can be done. In this respect I have great experience, and likewise I have known certain half-learned, timorous, and jealous persons who have cost me very dear. At least, I think that whoever believes not that God can do much more, and that he has been pleased, and is still pleased sometimes to reveal himself to his creatures, such a person keeps the gate closely shut against receiving any favors himself. Never let this happen to you, my sisters, but believe that God can do much more, and do not trouble yourselves whether they on whom he bestows these favors be good or bad. For this, as I have said, his majesty knows. We must not meddle with this, but with humility and simplicity of heart let us serve His Majesty, and praise Him for His works and wonders. To return now to the proof which I said was certain, you see that God makes this soul quite stupid, in order to imprint the deeper in her true wisdom. Hence she neither sees, nor heeds, nor understands, nor perceives all the time she is in this state, and this time is short, and, indeed, it seems to her shorter than it is. God so fixes himself in the interior of this soul, that when she comes to herself, she cannot but believe she was in God, and that God was in her. This truth is so deeply rooted in her, that though many years may pass away before God bestows the like favor upon her, she never forgets it. Not to dwell on the effects left in her, of which I shall speak afterwards, because it is a point of great importance. But you will ask me how the soul saw it or understood it, I answer, she did not see it then, but afterwards she sees it clearly. And this is not so much a vision as a certitude which remains in the soul, and which God only can infuse into her. I was acquainted with a certain person, who did not know that God was in all things by his presence, power, and essence. But by a favor of this kind received from God, she came to believe it so firmly, that though one of those half-learned men of whom I have spoken, and whom she asked how God was in us, and he knew as little of this truth as she did, before God made her understand it, answered that he was there only by his grace, yet the truth was so imprinted in her, that she did not believe him. She afterwards asked others, and they, telling her the truth, comforted her exceedingly. But you must not be led into a mistake by imagining that this certainty remains in a corporeal form, just like the certainty whereby we believe the body of our Lord Jesus Christ to be in the most holy sacrament, though we do not see it. He is not in this way here, but only by His divinity. 
but how can that have a certainty which we see not i do not know it is his work but i know that what i say is true and whoever has not this certainty i should say it was not a union of the soul with god but of some faculty or some other of the many kinds of favor which god bestows upon the soul in all these things we must not seek to know the reasons for seeing how they are done since our understanding cannot comprehend them why then should we desire to labor in vain and to trouble ourselves about it it is enough to know that he who is all-powerful has done it with regard to what i was saying that here we can do nothing i remember what i have heard the spouse say in the canticles he brought me into the cellar of wine she says not she went there she says likewise that she went seeking her beloved here and there this union i consider as the cellar where our lord places us when and how he pleases but we can never enter by our own diligence his majesty must bring us in and enter himself into the center of our soul without passing in through any gate just as he came among his disciples when he said to them peace be with you and when he rose from the sepulchre without lifting the stone in order to show his wonders the more he does not wish us to contribute anything but to subject our will entirely to his neither does he expect that the gate of the powers and senses which are all asleep should be open for him you will see afterwards how his majesty is pleased to allow the soul to enjoy him more in her very centre than she does here in this last mansion o oh, my daughters what great things shall we see if we wish to look upon nothing else but our own baseness and misery and if we consider how unworthy we are to be servants of so great a lord whose wonders exceed all comprehension may he be eternally praised amen end of the fifth mansion chapter one